Hey, welcome in. Stinky Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlerp, Millennial Ben, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, Bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app, check them out at betrivers.com. Also, Stinking Good Green Chili. Um, check us out at stinkinggood.com for all your green chili and queso needs. We're right there for you. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Did you uh, put together all your draft grades uh, now that you've had time to reflect who who killed the draft? Right, right. Well, you know, there were some teams that I there, – there's always some teams because you never know how a guy is going to respond, right, how a guy is going to play. And the gra- draft grades are always kind of silly because uh, the bottom line is you probably really can't grade a draft until three years after the draft when you really grade it. But when you start looking at just kind of – what a team did, what kind of value they got, if you will. Um, that's always a big, you know, the the value of the draft pick. So if you get a guy at, say, at 25 that was supposed to go at 10, you know, you got great value. If you go get a guy like the New England Patriots, you know, they talk about the, uh, this, the kid named Strange that they picked up as an offensive lineman. Well, a lot of people had him rated as a third-round draft choice. They got him in the 20s. I think at 29. And so everybody goes, Cole Strange at 29. I think his name was Cole Strange. Cole Strange at 29. Oh, you could have got him later on. Here's the thing that always drives me crazy about that kind of attitude. If you love a player and you look at the bottom half of the first round, because you talk to a lot of GMs, a lot of people will tell you, hey, man, after 15, everybody's a second or third rounder anyhow. So if you really love a guy and you're picking late in the 20s, if you just love the guy and you think the guy's going to be a great player, who gives a rip if he was rated as the 46th best player and you take him at 29? If you think he's going to be great and he fits what you want to do, then ultimately that's what matters. So we throw these grades out there willy-nilly like, oh, they did terrible job because the value wasn't there. If that guy goes on to be a 10-year starter, then guess what? You did a great job. So I always kind of wait for, you know, to judge what people do, what people don't do. I always look at Baltimore because I think Baltimore, to me, always does a really good job in the draft because they know who they are. They have an idea. They aren't trying to become something they're not. They know who they are, and they have a strategy. So they go get a safety who's going to be, you know, a phenomenal kid player. from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, Kyle yep. Hamilton. They go get the the kid from Iowa, the center. He's going to be a plug plug and play, you know, 10, 12 year veteran guy for the like they kind of understand what they are, what they want to do. Uh, you look at the players, the size, the, it, all the things that they do, and they say this is this is who we are, and we're not going to change it. Where a lot of teams are like, we want to become this, and we hope our quarter like the Jets. Everybody praises the Jets. I'll praise the Jets. I think they did a great job. But part of it is like, hey, man, we want our quarterback to develop, and you know, and and so we got to go get a wide receiver, and we want, and I get all that defensively, the corner and the pass rusher. Um, but again, we'll see exactly how these guys pan out yeah it 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 seems like every year i find myself with baltimore always like wow that's a smart pick wow that just pick makes so much sense and they and they for me they team they seem to be the team that does it just year after year they do it the right way uh still plenty of storylines revolving around the nfl now that we're through free agency and the draft what's going to happen to baker mayfield well, I mean, first off, 
I saw some things the other day on social media that just like are mind boggling to me. People saying, man, you should just trade a seventh rounder for Baker Mayfield. And my thought process is, why would anybody in their right mind trade anything for Baker Mayfield? Why? Why would you take on the $19 million salary? Why would you give away a valued asset if it's a fifth or sixth or seventh rounder? Why would you give anything away for him when Cleveland is going to be forced to release him? Cleveland played their hand. Cleveland told you exactly what I mean, and not only Deshaun Watson, but they got they signed other backup quarterback. Like they played their hand. They show you know they're playing a game of of poker. What's it? Texas Hold'em, and they got their their they got their cards face up. They're they're showing you what they have, and then they're like pushing it all to the middle, going, "Okay, here." I'm all in. Yeah. And you're like, hey, dumbass. You got garbage. Oh, right, you got garbage. <laughs> you're bluffing, and your hand's open. So, I mean, there is nobody that is going to trade anything and have to take on that salary. So what are you going to do? You're going to wait till Cleveland lets him go, releases him, and then you're going to go sign him, and you're going to figure out a contract that you can you know, that you can stomach. And, um, you know, gives him an opportunity to make things in incentives and all that kind of stuff and gives you an out. If he continues to be a petulant child, you move on. Like, I, like, like I, I don't understand what's so hard about that, why people think you would, like, any NFL team is going to give any value for Baker Mayfield. But so what will happen is there's a date, I think it's in June sometime, where you can cut a guy and you can push some of the cap, you know, to the next year and, so it gives you a little bit of benefit of cutting him after the June 1 date or whatever the June date is. So what will happen is the, the Cleveland Browns, I'm assuming, will probably cut him after June, and then somebody will negotiate a deal with him, and he'll wind up in Seattle or um, – Carolina. Carol, yeah. You got to – I mean, Carolina's got to believe that they're – like they 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 can't believe in Sam Darnold no, like last year, right? No, no, no. They can't believe that. And for all the and for all the Baker Mayfield trashing out there, right? He's never in my mind going to live up to being the number one overall pick, but he's not a garbage quarterback. I I no. I think if you bring him into Seattle or you bring him into Carolina, he's he's instantly you're upgrading the the quarterback position, aren't you? you you're, is Baker yeah, Mayfield better than Drew Locke? Right, you're, or Geno Smith? Right. You're instantly upgrading that room. Now I, I think I think the issue I think the issue is, you know, with that position, Mike, there's got to be a level of work ethic, a level and I'm not saying I don't know. I mean I'm not saying that Baker doesn't have work ethic. Um, and I'll go back to a game I did in Cleveland in 2018 where Baker was a rookie playing quarterback, and and that coaching staff raved. Freddie Kitchens was the old coordinator at the time. Um, it, like, raved about his, his capacity for knowledge and everything else, right? Like, he understood the game. He could get everybody lined up. He understood formations and route combinations, and he could tag every individual route, and he knew – like he he just like he really understood the game, um, but it's more than that, right? It's your preparation. It's how you get along with your teammates. It's you being in charge. It's you being an adult. And I think you know I think part of the issue with Baker is he is he has not matured to the point of being like that 
that CEO type that I think needs to run your franchise. Doesn't mean you you can't get after guys. Doesn't mean I mean you don't think Rogers gets pissed at guys and and cusses a dude out or Peyton Manning back in the day or Tom Brady, you know. But they'll hold themselves accountable. And there's nobody within the building that works harder than those guys. And until you put that whole thing together, that whole package together, um, that that's a that's a different position. That quarterback position is different. And that adult in the room has got to be there. And I think Baker has had a tough time kind of grasping that part of the that part of the equation. All right. So while we're talking about quarterbacks and leadership, let's talk about Ryan Tannehill, who Two parts to this story. Let's start with the first part where he came out and said after that playoff loss to Cincinnati in which he threw three picks, mm-hmm. he went into, quote, a dark place. Right. And really, really struggled to the point where he needed therapy uh, to to handle that loss. Um, is that Does that surprise you? Do, do, do pro football players take typically take losses that hard personally? Now you experienced a lot of winning, but you had some some devastating yeah. gut punch losses. What was it like for you? What was it like for teammates? How much? How long does it stick with you? I mean, that's it's a it's a hard thing, man. It's a really hard thing because you pour so much into it, and I think when you care, not only care about winning, but care about your teammates, care about you know, care about doing it the right way, and you feel like you personally let everybody on the team down? I mean, I've never seen a game where the opponent's quarterback got sacked nine times and you dominated a game defensively and you still lost. And I understand where Ryan Tannehill is, is coming from. And I understand that that feeling, that desperate feeling. I'll never, ever, ever forget going to Mexico with the Broncos, playing the Miami Dolphins, playing against a guy that I had never seen on film and giving up a hit on John Elway, not from lack of preparation, but in the preseason, you have limited time, limited study, limited game plans, and this this particular player uh, was a guy by the name of Daryl Gardner, who was a first-rounder. Oh, yeah, yeah. but I, he didn't play the year before, and that the only film we had at that time in training camp because we're up in, in we we're up in uh, really uh, Colorado, really Colorado. So you didn't have, uh, you only had what they brought up in tape wise. So you didn't have a library, and, and it wasn't online at the time. So he didn't play the year before. So we had their last four games from the year before to study. So I didn't study the guy. Now he's six six and three twenty, right? I mean, he's a big ass man. And um, I'd never seen him on film, so I didn't know what he did. I didn't have a really game plan for him. It's a preseason game. We're up in Mexico. And I'm like, it's 6'6", 320. I'm going to do what I do to a lot of guys, man. I'm going to stab him. I'm going to upkick him. And I'm going to take the battle to him, and I'm going to shut him down before he gets going. Man, I I did exactly that on a play. Um, Like, I upkicked a five-step drop knowing that, hey, man, I'm good. And, dude, he threw a swim move on my ass that I wasn't expecting, and I was eating dirt. And he hit Elway and broke Elway's or ruptured Elway's uh, bicep. Yep. Remember that? Yep. And there was concern that Elway wasn't going to be able to play that. I remember that. And his bicep was all screwed up, man. 
And Mike, I was literally sick, sick. A preseason game, got the quarterback hit, and he got hurt, and and uh, we end up losing that game. Now we flew back from Mexico. I literally did not sleep for three days. I mean, I did not sleep, and I mean, I was I was devastated, devastated. So I understand what what Ryan Tannehill was talking about about being devastated and and not playing well and costing his football team because he cost his football team a chance to move on the playoffs. And I don't want anybody to go through that, but part of me when I when I heard that, I was actually like, oh, that that's cool because I think sometimes, right. and I know for all the the fans listening, you're you're probably some of you are like me. You wonder, okay, these guys they they play the game. They enjoy the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of money. How much do they really care right. about the wins and losses? Like, we as fans, we live and die with these teams. Right. The wins are the highest of highs. The losses, especially those kind of losses, just gut punches, right? But how much do the players really, truly care? And it was good to hear that. I, I would ask you this. On a football team with 53 guys, mm-hmm. okay, how many of them you think – feel that way or how many of them are like hey the job whatever move on don't really doesn't really bother me that much right I think the majority the, the guys care like the majority of your guys really care now there's always going to be those guys that as long as they put up a stat line win lose or draw that's really what they care about and you know ultimately Mike you can't win championships with those guys you can't now, listen, I'm not going to say that I did, if if we lost and I played really well, that I was still really upset about the loss. But if I played really well, I'm not going to lie. I mean, at least it it eased a little bit of the tension. I still feel bad. I I still hated to lose. I mean, I hated to lose. Um, but you know, there are those guys. Usually, most of them play wide receiver. That as long as they get, 10 <laughs> I knew that was coming for 120 I knew that yards. Was coming. They really don't give a rip, right? <laughs> they go, yeah. I got mine. Yeah, I got mine. So yeah. Yeah. we're good. Hey, it wasn't on me. Um, and then if they don't get any catches and they lose, they're usually complaining about guys couldn't protect. My quarterback couldn't give me the ball. You know, I was open every. At least time. I got my conditioning in. Right. Yeah. So, um, but I think. I think in any good locker room, like, and a lot of that depends on your culture, Mike. I yeah. think there's a, a lot of teams that it really hurts them. And then I think there's a lot of teams that are like, hey, well, that's the that's what we yeah. do around here. We lose. Yeah, one, and, two, three, Cancun. Right. Yeah, hey, let's go out. What are you guys doing tonight after the game? Let's go get drinks, you know? I think there's a lot of that, too. I think it, it really depends on the environment that you grow up in in the National Football League, and every team is is wildly different that way. Now, the second part of the Tannehill story, not as much praise, perhaps, for mm-hmm. Tannehill, because he was asked about mentoring Malik Willis, third-round right. pick. He says, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. Hey, if he goes out and picks up some things watching me, great. But I'm not going to specifically go out to do it. Right. Good look? Bad look? Oh, it's a, Give him credit for being honest? I it's a, I think it's a terrible look, and I, again, you know, I, it's funny because you and I talked about this on our radio show, and I got a couple of textures like, because I think you should, I think it is your responsibility to mentor it, to mentor the next generation of player. 
I think it's your responsibility to, to help that player become the best player that that player can be. And I got a lot of people that were adamant against that. They were like, dude, uh, you're, you're, you're coaching somebody up to take your job. And then I thought, man, if you've got a set of onions and you believe in, in what you've done and the preparation that you have gone through and the player that you are, I mean, I'm, I'm not insecure. I'm not worried about you taking my job because I'm better than you. I want you to be the best that you can be, and I'll give you every. This is how I always approach it. I'll, I'll give you everything I know. I'll sit down with you and help you go through it, and t- and, and help you understand the game, and da da da. And even with all that, you can't take my job because I'm better than you, and I'm tougher than you. And I, I've always approached it that way. Is but I, that's like, you, and and I'm 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 gonna have to challenge you on that because I can easily rattle off half a dozen all-time great quarterbacks who were just like Tannehill. Yeah. Joe Montana didn't want to mentor Steve Young. Yeah. Uh, Brett Favre didn't want to mentor Aaron Rodgers. Correct. Uh, I don't think Tom Brady was gung-ho about mentoring Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, So I I don't really hold it. Peyton Manning wasn't that gung-ho about mentoring Brock Osweiler here in Denver. Mm -hmm. And these are all-time greats who shouldn't have any problem with insecurity. Right. They shouldn't, but they did. Yeah, but they did, and and you're right. And I, you know, all, all, I I really didn't even think about it that way. I just think about it from my my my, my perspective. And my perspective is this: like, do drop a set, and ain't nobody gonna beat you out anyhow. So, and maybe it was maybe it was for a guy like Peyton or a guy like Tom Brady or whatever. Is, hey man, that takes away me mentoring you takes away from my preparation. Um, and I can understand, I can understand that aspect. See, I've always looked at it differently though. Like when, if you're backing me up and you come in and you're a rookie and you're asking me questions, that's an opportunity for me to not only help you along, but to reaffirm the stuff that I think. Good point. Right. Yep. And there's, so that there's that give and take of that exchange of ideas. Now it doesn't mean. You know, it doesn't mean I had this conversation with Joe Flacco when Lavar, uh, um, no, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, excuse me, yeah. not Lavar. Yeah, that's another. I was thinking Lavar Arrington for some reason, yeah. but when Lamar Jackson came in, so I asked him about it, and he's like, he's like, stink. How am I going to mentor him? Like the offense, I there's nothing that that he does that I can even I can't even comprehend the athleticism, the stuff that he does. So there's nothing really I can give him from a mentoring standpoint, you know, I mean, you could talk about concepts and you could talk about all those things. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's, I guess it's how you present it. Like to me, winning championships is what it's all about. It's, it's not going to pro bowls. It's not being all pro. It's about winning a world championship. And the best way for us to win a world championship is to have the smartest, deepest team that we can have. And if I'm not willing to go out of my way to help you become better, I'm not helping our team be the best it can be. And so that's, that's how I always looked at it. But you're right. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you. Like, Mike Shanahan is, you know, not only was my coach, but a good friend. And talking about, you know, 
Joe Montana and talking about Steve Young and how there was no Joe Montana wasn't telling Steve Young Jack. You know, and I, I remember Mike telling me this story about um, you know, Steve, like how does Joe get through his progression so fast? And like like I'm going one, two, three, and Joe's just going boom, boom, and it's gone. It's how he get through it so fast. How does he see it so fast? And so Mike went to Joe to ask him, you know, and he goes, I'm not going to tell you if you're going to share it with Steve. Like, something to that effect, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was really like that kind of almost vitriolic, right? I'm, no, I'm not. And so that is human nature, though, right? right. I mean, you can understand that, hey, wait a minute, this guy, there's a reason this guy's here. Maybe I just, this guy's here because the idea, the organization wants him to take my job at some point. Right. So why should I help him? Right, and and I guess I think it's more your offensive lineman code than it is. I it, think the offensive it, lineman code is just different than a quarterback code. It may be, it it may be. Uh, uh, so the very I guess what I'm asking you to do is lie. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. want the raw and filtered truth when it comes to that. Right. The truth is, I want my team to be as good as it can be. So. Hey, make sure you say, yeah, I'll help him out in any way I can help him out. Hey, if he has a question, I think the thing is, and, and there is something to the idea that if you're a Ryan Tannehill, you do have a, a career to still manage right. and prepare and play. And so that does take a lot of work. So, yeah, you shouldn't be like, okay, hey, Rook, come on over here. Let me, uh, it, but if, if you're in a meeting and Malik Willis says, hey, on that play, what, what were you looking at? You know what, what? Yeah, you what, don't lie. You don't how, lie to him about how, it. You, how did the safety tip you right. off? And then you just answer it, right? Okay, but you know, I can understand. I'm not going to go out of my way to teach the guy, but I'm not going to be a, you know, a dick and and right. You know, if he asks me a question, I'm going to be like, oh no, I'm not going to tell you. You know, but right. But you do have there is there is a, there's you, something you, about the way we elevate the right. quarterback position that you can understand why some of these guys, as great as they are, that there's still some rampant insecurity there. Yeah. I guess, I guess I guess you're right. I guess I just I I do look at it from the O lineman perspective. But finishing up the story with Joe is like Joe is just like no man. I, if you're gonna tell if you're gonna run over to Steve and tell him what what's what, then no, I'm not gonna do it. And it's funny because um, so Mike was like, all right, I'm, you know I'm not gonna share it with him. But what are you, what are you doing? And so the way progressions in football worked, if you're running a combination route, like let's say you're running, um, let's say you're running uh, curl on one side with a halfback, uh, you know, halfback blast or whatever, right? So a curl has a 12-yard hook route, right, by your outside receiver, and then your inside receiver is running a flat. So you're creating a high-low separation. And then when you add when you add uh, you know the the halfback blast or whatever um, or halfback excuse me not blast but burst halfback burst so now the halfback is releasing through the opposite B gap and then he's checking blitz and then bam he bursts over so now you're creating a strong side three tier a three tier triangle so you've got the flat the curl and then the burst. So if you take a, you make a triangle out of it, you can see the triangle, right? You got a 12-yard curl. The burst is running at about, you know, four or five yards across. And then the, the flat is obviously a flat. And so the progression goes one, two, three. It goes flat to curl 
to the burst, which is going to be the last route that comes in there. And so, you know, you, you'd read that out one, two, three, and on the backside, you'd have, you know, you'd have a, on the backside of curl burst, you have a go, you know, it's just a spacing route or whatever. Right. And so what Joe said to Mike, and this is back, you know, this is back a long time ago. Joe said, well, I don't really read one, two, three like that. I don't go through progressions like that. You don't? He goes, no, I read front side, then I just get to the back side. And the the cool thing about that, he's like, hey, if the front side based on coverage I don't like, I get right to the back side, knowing what they're in. And you talk to coordinators in today's game, and Joe is kind of like the godfather of, he just did it on his own, right? Because it was the fastest way he'd get through things. Um, that's how how these route progressions are run today. They're like, there's a front side combo and a backside. Well, combo. I get that. I get front side, backside, but if front side has three different options, you're still kind of reading one, two, three, aren't you? To decide if one of those three are uh, available. But you're, but you're doing it like, Hey, this is the coverage. This is the coverage we get. So I know this dude's going to be open. I know. So you're going, you're, you're not really going one, two, three. As soon as you see it, you're going, Oh, I know in this, and that's why the process, you, that's why your process has to be so good. You say, hey, man, I know in this, they're taking away, they're taking away the curl right off the bat. They're going to, they're going to jump the curl, right? They're, or that hook linebacker is going to get more width and more depth. They're taking that away. So I know the burst is going to be wide open. So as soon as I hit it, bam, I don't even go. I look at the curl and I go straight to the burst. I, I just bypass the flat. I I basically bypass the curl and I get right to the, right to the burst right now, or hey I know they've taken that combination away on that side because the coverage, but I know I got you know I got man beaters on the like I, hey they're in man coverage and they've taken that that away, but I know I got man beaters on the other side. So a lot of a lot of the combination the route combinations you'll run a zone beater on one side and a man beater on the other, and as soon as you see hey man they're in they're in man right and you see them take away man you get right to the like double slants is is called line in the west coast offense right so double slants is line you know if we're in man line's a man beater so i get off that curl flat that curl flat burst i go right to the the back side like right now so boom as soon as i see man i'm over to the opposite side and i don't have to go one two three hey nobody's open let me get to the back side i just go hey boom boom right and that's how that's how the league has evolved, if you will. If if that stuff makes sense, I know I'm in the weeds a little bit. No, but that's that's it. That's interesting. But it also explains the the, the genius of Montana, right? Because he who, saw that before anybody before the coaches even right. saw it. You know, I mean, Bill Walsh and as, as brilliant as Bill Walsh was with all this stuff, Joe is like, nah, that, that don't work for me. I'm just gonna go from one to two. I'm gonna, right, 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 right. Which is which is kind of that's what makes that's what that's what I love about football because. For every one of us, we see it a little bit differently. And then you say, okay, we're running this play, but I know this is what I'm being coached to do. I can't tell you how many times I was coached to do something that I was like, I ain't doing that. That's dumb. That don't work. I'm doing it the way I do it, right? And the young players would be like, well, how can you get away with it? Because he's not yelling at you for not – because I'm a vet and I've done it, and he knows that I'll get it done in the game. So he's just going to leave me alone. Right. And so it just is, it, but it's one of those things. Like I would rather block my guy and do it with with a technique that my coach doesn't like and get graded down, than do the technique that he wants and not block my guy and get my quarterback right. And I'm going to get graded down either way, 
but I'd rather I'd rather us win <laughs> doing it the right way or the way I want to do it versus you know lose. Man, you must have really you must have had the young players who were just like, man, I can't believe how you can get away talking to you know Shanahan or Alex Gibbs like that. Well, I was always respectful, but I was just very yeah, blunt. blunt in that I ain't doing that. <laughs> that don't work. Sorry. <laughs> That's awesome. You're gonna have to get a young guy that can bend That's if you good. want. If you want. Yeah. If you want that, you're gonna have to get run, an athlete right. uh, to do that. Because I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> Just trust me. Uh, but when you do it and you do it right and you win, guess what? They, they, you know, they turn a blind eye to, yeah, he's doing what he does. Yeah, don't don't just, worry about that's that. That's a special stink. Yeah, that's there. not really part of the offense. So, <laughs> do, yeah. do You guys do what I coach yeah, you do. Yeah, do as I say, not as right. he does. Right. Don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah, don't t- pay attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Stinking Truth podcast, it's always fun just chopping it up. Thank you so much for listening. Thank our uh, presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers. Bet with the winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Stinking good green chili at stinkinggood.com. For Mike, I am Mark, uh, millennial, been producing the show. We thank you so much, and we'll be back with you next week.